Tibble is the best at two. He is the best two-mana planeswalker ever. Talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look Cause you were too cool But now we're older And we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody And welcome back to another episode of Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me is your other faithful host The man, the plan, Rich McCann How are you, Rich? Doing good I got plans and things Excellent. Plant maybe schemes? No, that's Arch Enemy, and that is totally not what we're talking about tonight. Uh, I don't think we'll ever have a show on that. Pretty much because Wizards kind of abandoned it, which is fine, because I get it. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting idea, but I don't I don't think it lived up to its promise. It... Well, we're not talking about it, so we don't... Yeah, no, we're totally not talking about it. That's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, we, we do have an interesting topic, but before we do that, hey, starting, like, now, is uh, the Pro Tour. Woo! Yeah, Pro Tour Fate Reforged in D.C., or probably just outside of D.C., if if I know my venues correctly, but, uh, yeah. Almost hey, people gather. Pro Tour is happening, and it is modern. And you, dear listener, might be thinking to yourself, awesome, the guys are going to talk about modern tonight. No, we don't know enough about the modern met, current modern meta, uh, and especially it's even hard to even judge because of the recent bannings. I mean, oh, yeah. we can we could blindly speculate that white, white black blue white black tokens will dominate, but we don't know that. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't blindly speculate on this show. That's never been done. That's crazy talk. I have to look at our episode history, but I think you're right. Yeah, that that sounds. We make extremely educated guesses based on our complete absence of knowledge. (laughs) Complete lack of knowledge is what actually fuels everything we do here. But I mean, like we talked about doing that episode, but again, like with the new ban, is we can't even predict the meta. We don't. I mean, Pod was such a big part of it. We can't. We don't know where the meta is going to go. I mean, will blue, white, or you know, green, black just be over dominant like Jund was, and now it's just that's what everyone does. I mean, they lost Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, dear listener. We will take a look at what the modern metagame does after this Pro Tour, and we'll reevaluate from there. Maybe we'll get some modern expert on. Hey, if you have a modern expert you think we should get on, feel free to email us. That'd be awesome. Does anybody know what country the Pro Tour is in? Uh, the U.S. Oh, it is? You, yeah, yeah. You said that. D- yeah, DC. it's in D.C., yeah. Good. I mean, oh, yeah. well... I mean, D.C. is not really a state, and they don't really have voting rights. Look, that's politics. Let's stay out of that. But, yeah, it's it's here. So okay, you know, Eastern time, time. Yeah, so totally reasonable time for uh, for the U.S., which is cool. But we are talking about a topic. We are. We do have a topic for the evening. And what we thought we would do is take a look at Planeswalkers. Now, I know what you're thinking, but you guys talk about Planeswalkers all the time. Well, yes, we talk about Planeswalkers in terms of flavor. But when this cast started, it was well, it was going to be a cast about the cards of magic. Now we've kind of gone all over the place from there, but we thought and we'd actually God look bless at, us for it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's actually look at Planeswalker cards, the actual cards, and how they work mechanically, where they fit into uh, design space, all that kind of jazz. Now we're not going to cover all fifty-six. 
Uh, no, goodness no. It's, it's, we don't have the time. It's too many. Maybe we'll do a Planeswalker series. Um, yeah. We were actually just talking about that. We'll re- maybe we can go through all of them. But right now we're not going to do that. No, we're gonna we're gonna set the stage. We're gonna paint in some broad strokes. We'll talk about some specific cards, of course, and where they fit into the metagame at the time. But uh, what you should know is that as of this recording, as of today, early February in 2015, there are a total of 56 different Planeswalker cards, corresponding to 30 different Planeswalker characters. So. That's that's what we have to go with. But where did it all begin? Well, it actually began before we had Planeswalker. So uh, those of you who have listened to Morrow's podcasts or read stuff uh, on the Watsi site, you know that the concept of Planeswalkers, these kind of uh, powerful mages who roamed between the planes of existence, that's been around since the very beginning of the game. And it's been an integral part of flavor. But old planeswalkers were phenomenal godlike beings that could do pretty much anything they wanted. So that's not real interesting from a story standpoint. You can write that story like once and then it's just not interesting anymore. So they needed to create planeswalkers that were less powerful. And that's when the whole mending happened and that's a whole flavor thing. But the point is they had to nerf them. So we didn't have planeswalker cards for a long, long time. But... Before they even introduced a card, before we even saw one, we had references to them on cards like Tarmogoyf. So in Time Spiral, Tarmogoyf was a card that actually cared about the types of cards that were in graveyards. And if you look at the original Tarmogoyf wording, it actually called out the specific cards uh, that could be in your graveyard. And so uh, the original one had this reminder text on it. The card types are Artifact, Creature, Enchantment, Instant Land, Planeswalker, Sorcery, and Tribal. And Planeswalker hadn't occurred at the time. So everybody was like, well, this is obviously something that's coming soon. And in fact, Planeswalker cards should have been introduced in Time Spiral Block, but they hadn't quite worked all the kinks out. So they had to wait until Lorwyn Block. And so the first Planeswalker cards we saw were in Lorwyn Block. And when you see them, you're like, well, that's kind of weird. They don't fit thematically or story-wise in Lorwyn Block in any way, shape, or form. Well, well it's also the first time they introduced Planeswalkers that didn't matter to the story. Uh, yes, this is true. Outside of corsets, but that mean that's here or there. Yeah. So the original, what are called the Lorwyn Five, the first Planeswalkers we ever saw, were uh, a Johnny Goldmane, Chandra Nalar, Garrick Wildspeaker, Jace Bellerin, Jace Bellerin, and Liliana Vess. And those were your original Lorwyn 5. So why don't we take a look at those cards specifically, see what they do, and if they made sense. And this is kind of brings us to the evolution of Planeswalkers as we talk, because that's one of the things we're kind of going for. Yeah, so the first five, they all had three abilities. Uh, their mana costs were uh, between 3 and 5 CMC. And their three abilities, they all started with some loyalty, and they all had a plus ability, a minus ability, and then a minus bunch ability, their their ultimate ability or their limit break, whatever you want to call it. And they all also cost two of their chosen color of mana. Right, so they were all monocolored. So we had a white one, a red one, a green one, a blue one, and a black one. And in theory, their abilities should hopefully reflect their slice of the color pie. And this is something that, you know, kind of went for. By the way, 
Uh, planeswalkers also served a role from creative standpoint. Uh, they were a marketing tool, if you want to look at it that way. They, they could become the face of magic. Uh, sure, there were some creatures that were the face of magic prior to this, but eh. eh. It's easier to relate to characters. It is. And if you want to have a character-driven story that spanned multiple sets... You kind of needed a face to put with that. So I, I'm, I'm going to suggest that we just go down the line and at least read each of these five cards and just just talk about how they how they fit with what they did. How's that sound to you, Rich? That sounds good to me. All right, so let's start with a Johnny Goldmane, uh, a, a great kitty. Everybody loves a Johnny. So for two white-white, he was a four-mana cost planeswalker, came in with uh, four loyalty, and his abilities were plus one, you gain two life, Minus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. And minus six, put a white avatar creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are equal to your life total. That's so, a great planeswalker. I think he's absolutely great. So, uh, okay, uh, his abilities, uh, are they meaningful? Well, uh, we've got life gain. Which uh, fuels his ult. Which fuels his ult, absolutely, and feels very, very white. We've got uh, plus one, plus one counters, and we've got vigilance in his second ability. It's pretty white. Pretty white, cares about creatures, makes creatures bigger permanently, uh, gives them a nice ability that turn. And then minus six, put a the, the white avatar creature that's power and toughness equal to your life total, so life matters. Which is something that a higher life total benefits you, which is... I mean, it's, it's a weird blanket statement to say, but that's something white generally cares about. Thinking of, like, Sarah's Ascendant, Feldar Sovereign, they want you to have more life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the uh, creating a token, right? That's another yep. thing that, that white typically does. So it's all almost, of these abilities... It's almost everything white does. Yeah. All, besides all exile or something. Uh, so, uh, do we want to go in color order, or do we want to hop around? Because I'd like to give let's, you a chance, but let's I... Do, let's just do Wooberg. Okay, so you want to so hit the red so you don't have I'll to take, green? Yep, I'll take Jace Bellerin. Okay. Um, he cost one blue-blue, so he was three. He was Planeswalker Jace with three loyalty. He had a plus two, which was each player draws a card. So that's why everyone loves Baby Jace. Um, then he had a minus one, target player draws a card. So generally, you plus up, and people leave him alone, and then you start minusing them and get a bunch of your draw cards just for you. Then he has a minus ten, which is an astronomical number amount, even back then. Target player puts the top 20 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. That's back when I think Traumatizer was extremely powerful when he was printed, mm-hmm. whereas now it's gotten less powerful, I would say. Yeah, well, Mill as a strategy has not been given much loving lately. Which is a travesty. It is. It's a true, true travesty. So, hey, how blue is this card, huh? You're drawing cards a lot. Yeah, the only the only thing that's not super blue, I suppose, is that, that plus two your opponent draws a card. But blue does it. Blue, blue has that for a couple really cheap draw spells where everyone does. Yeah. So, or they have like their X, some X spells that everybody draws that number of cards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not unprecedented, but it's not, I mean, blue has devolved since then to much more of a selfish color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. Where it doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't give as much out to everyone else as it, as it has in the past. Right. Uh, and then how about that, that milling, that, uh. That's blue for days. Definitely blue for, <laughs> blue for, a tap blue for days. Uh, so yeah, yeah, okay, so this guy's very blue, 
uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how these abilities compare to other ones as we get through the rest of the cards. Uh, but still, definitely blue. Card draw, very powerful effect. Seems good. Uh, okay, so that was white, that was blue, time for black. And in black we had Liliana Vess. So three black black, total of five mana for a five loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, target player discards a card. Hmm, discard. That sounds like black to me. Minus two, search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So it's a tutor effect. Totally a black ability. Minus eight, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. That sounds pretty good. Very lopsided reanimation. Again, also sounds like a very black ability. So Liliana, very, very black. All the abilities, very relevant, I think. If Chewie were here, he would say, that's racist. Yes, he would. So. Um, Then red, we have Miss Chandra Nalar. She was three red red. For a planeswalker came in with six counters. Uh, she had plus one, deals one damage to target player. It is a pinger. It is a um, goblin fire slinger. It is. Yep. This, that's it. Every turn, you're just going to ping a person. Now, this is being er, as early as, you know, the first planeswalker. There's a planeswalker who had a, their second ability was actually better than their ultimate. She was minus X. Tranja Nalar deals X damage to target creature. Oh, never mind. That's just target creature. Yeah. It is not better. Um, and then minus eight, she has Mega um, Earthquake or whatever it's called. Chandra Nalar deals ten damage to each target player in each creature he or she controls. Yes. Yeah, or so, to, just a target player in each creature he or she controls. So these abilities, very red, right? We've got we've got burn at a player, we've got yep. burn at a creature, and we've got burn all the things, except my stuff. My stuff is fine. Burn all of your stuff. Take that. I like to burn stuff. So, uh, yeah, all, all very red abilities, uh, are they all relevant abilities? That plus ability seems a little underpowered, but it, let's get through the green one, and then let's talk about these power levels. So, uh, Garrick Wildspeaker, in green, uh, for two green green, four mana, you get a three loyalty planeswalker, that doesn't seem very good, plus one, untap two target lands, that's totally a green thing to do. Minus one, put a three three green beast creature token onto the battlefield. Very green. Seems good. Minus four. Creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and gain trample until end of turn. Again, totally a green ability, yes. Yeah. So we've got we've got an overrun effect, we've got making creatures, and we've got mana ramp. But not so, only is it overrun, it's, I mean, his is the cheapest of all the alts. Yes. Yes, it is. He can literally do it the second turn he comes down. Right? Right. Uh, can anybody else... Well, Chandra can actually do her... No, that's her second ability. Chandra can do it after two turns. Uh, Johnny can do it after... No, I'm sorry. Chandra is on the third turn you could do it, right? Because she comes in with six, so you need seven, eight, and then the next turn. Uh-huh. Uh, Johnny, you need three turns. Uh, Jace, you need forever and a day. Uh, what's that? Four turns? So he'd start with three, go to five, uh, then to seven, then to nine... Then to eleven. So the fifth turn is when you'd be able to do it, right? Yep. That's that's a long time. And Liliana, she comes in with five, so you're talking the fourth turn you could do it. So yeah, that's she's hmm. I don't know. It's I, I could see an argument that Garrick's one of the best of the batch here, but at the same time, I mean a, a lot of this is very situational. It is, but 
mean, what they did when they, well, I feel when they did the crazy, it was like, as we'll see down the line, we're going to see more niche planeswalkers. These are the generalists. These guys, you know, Johnny goes in every white deck imaginable, because every white deck's going to want, you know, plus gain the life, or they're going to want counters on their, counters on their stuff. Yeah. Chandran goes in any red, any deck that's even splashing red, because it's burn. It's renewable burn. Yeah. Um, Daruk goes in every green deck. I mean, Jace, every blue deck wants to draw stuff. I mean, they just go in everything. I mean, you kind of get the point. Whereas, like, you know, as we see later, there's planeswalkers that are very niche. Now, also, it's interesting to note that all of their abilities, all of their first and second, their plus and their first minus ability, all of those can be used the first turn they come in, right? Yep. So you you have a choice when they first come in. Are you going to go up? You're going to go down. Now, that won't be true of all planeswalkers we see, but it's definitely true of these guys. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they're all pretty well balanced. Uh, they all saw play. So it was fringe play, but they all saw play. Uh, I think that Chandra may be the least. I don't want to say, I don't want to say that she's the worst. But of these, if I had to rank them, Chandra would actually be pretty far down there because her, her plus and her minus are both so limited in scope. You can only hit a player with the plus. You can only hit a creature with the minus. It's it's not great. I wanted her to be good, but hmm. it would be a while before we saw a good one. Now we have had uh, some members of R and D onto this show, uh, including uh, Sean Main, who told us that yes, red planeswalkers are extremely difficult. To not red, Chandra. Okay, Chandra. Chandra is extremely difficult to make a balanced version, a fair version of. It's very easy to create one of those that just gets totally out of hand. Uh, so so there are your Lorwyn 5. Now, from there, things evolved... Well, things evolved in, in weird kinds of ways. Um, we saw Planeswalkers again immediately in the Shards block. Uh, now, there weren't... I don't believe there... Were there any in the core set? I can't remember if they reprinted them. So, one of the things that we, we were, were on... They, a, went from, they went from Lorwyn, and then M10 was their next set. Yes. Uh, so, we were unable to find... Remember, Lorwyn didn't have a core set. Oh. It went Lorwyn, Morningtide... Um, Shadowmoor, Eventide? Shadowmoor, yeah. Okay. Cause, and then, then I think that's where we go into... Um, into uh, the Shards block? Shards, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't a course at the print event. So one of the things that we we were looking for while we were prepping for the show is to find a chronological list of planeswalkers, like when they were all introduced, and uh, we couldn't find it, so we made our own. Uh, so if we get anything out of order, that's totally my fault because uh, I I put together this document. Uh, so don't blame don't blame Rich. It's totally my fault, but I, I think I've got them all in the right order. So. Once we get around to Shard's block, we start to introduce more. We're not going to go through all of the Planeswalkers ever, but uh, we got some new Planeswalkers in the Shard's block. They gave us five more, one for each Shard, which was fitting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, except that one of them was a repeat character. One of them was a Johnny. We got a new Ajani, the Ajani Vengeant. And uh, I, I kind of want to take a second to talk about Ajani Vengeant because he was... He was pretty good because of his alt. Uh, so I'll, I'll just mention a Johnny Vengeance uh, abilities here real quick. Uh, he had a plus one target permanent doesn't untap during its ne- controller's next untap step. But remember, which, you do, it doesn't tap anything down. Yeah, it doesn't tap anything down, so it's not quite the blue ability. Oh, by the way, a Johnny Vengeance was was red-white. <laughs> no surprise there. 
Uh, minus two, a Johnny Vengeant deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. Lightning Helix. Yeah, Lightning Helix seems good. And then minus seven, destroy all lands target player controls. Because, you know what? Screw that guy. Just all your lands gone. Ha ha. I mean, nothing beats a Day of Judgment into that. Yeah. No they are kidding. ground zero. Yeah, so he was a game ender, quite frankly. Uh, oh, and hey, that's that's an interesting point. Uh, how many of these ultimates of the original Lorwyn 5, how many of them were game enders? None of them. Right. Because, I mean, a Johnny, well, a Johnny guess, made a big... I guess you could say Liliana's was the closest thing. Yeah, probably. Uh, a Johnny made a big dude, but it was just one dude, and it might not be all that big if your life total sucked. Uh, or a Doomblade kills it. Chandra, or, or a bounce spell. Uh, Chandra did 10 damage, which is pretty bad, but she just did the 10 damage and then she's done. Uh, Garrick probably ended games, but he needed creatures along the way to do it. Now he, he could create some, but that spun him down, not up. Uh, Jace takes away 20 cards. If you're in limited, yeah, the game's pretty much over. Uh, if you're in constructed, yeah, you can bounce back from that. Uh, and then Lily made hopefully an army, unless your graveyards were pretty empty and then it's kind of a sucky thing to do. Uh, but man, this one, a Johnny Vengeant, that might just be a, a, a game breaker right there. You're, you're kind of done for. Oh, I thought Elspeth Knight Errant was also pretty, um, pretty, pr- fairly close to game ending. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hit Elspeth Knight Errant because I I think you can make an argument that she's one of the best planeswalkers ever printed. She's pretty close. Yeah, so why don't you tell us about Elspeth Knight Errant, who Knight Errant. came to us in shards? Yeah, I think shards block. Shards, yep, 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 she's shards. All the plant workers from shards were in shards besides Nico, I think. Yep. Um, she was the first planeswalker to have, have a, well, kind of one of the first, uh, when her character was introduced, we didn't really get a name for her, or like a full name, we just got Knight Errant, she got a title. Yeah. And she was too white-white. For a planeswalker who had four loyalty, she has plus one, put a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token on the battlefield. Yep, plus, sounds good. Then she has another plus, so she has all pluses. Wait a minute, what? She's all pluses. Madness. Target creature target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains flying until end of turn. So kind of, she can make a soldier, then she can make it a 4-4 four, four flying and hit you. That seems kind of mean. Then her minus eight. So this is expensive. You get an emblem with artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and lands you control have indestructible. She is not indestructible, by the way. A lot of people think she makes all your permanents indestructible. But no. That's not the case. Now, what's interesting here is I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I think this is when we were first introduced to emblems. Yes, she is the first card with an emblem. And uh, emblems, from a rules standpoint, just in case you folks were curious out there, emblems actually exist in the command zone. Because in every game, whether you're playing Commander or not, the Command Zone does exist. It's just there's usually nothing there. But in this case, yep, that's where Emblems go, and that's part of the reason you can't blow them up, because nothing currently interacts with the Command Zone. Although I expect Wizards to break that with uh, the uh, Commander 2015 set. That's just my guess. I still don't think they're going to let anything destroy an Emblem, because that defeats the purpose of an Emblem. It really does. Uh, but yeah, I have confidence in them. They, they can do it. But anyway, so yeah, Elspeth, that is an awfully good card. And, uh, still sees play in, uh, in modern. So, enjoy your Elspeths. Now, this isn't the last time we'll see Elspeth. There are some other Elspeths that will come up 
uh, along the way. Uh, should we mention Nicol Bolas since he is a douchebag? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean he is, and we had a we had a show about him uh, last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, last show. We'll pretend that it was last week. How about that? Mm-hmm. If you guys play along, we'll, we'll play along. Uh, but Nicol Bolas was the first, possibly the only three-color planeswalker. Is there anybody else? I don't think there is. Yeah, we now have ones for every two-color combination. Mm-hmm. But he's our only three-color planeswalker. So Nicol Bolas, uh, you heard about him last time, but just in case. Nicol Bolas, planeswalker, uh, four blue, black, black, Red, so eight cost planeswalker. He is tied for the most expensive planeswalker ever. Uh, he has five loyalty, plus three, destroy target non-creature permanent. This includes lands. Minus two, gain control of target creature. Permanently, it's totally yours. Minus nine, nickel bolus planeswalker deals seven damage to target player. That player discards seven cards, then sacrifices seven permanents. So, yeah, that's kind of a, it's kind of a game breaker right there. So five, that takes you to eight. So on the third turn, you can do the, uh, the, the minus nine, right? Yeah, and it's not like his plus is doing bad things. Yeah, <laughs> destroy that thing that was a problem. Yeah, go right ahead. Totally gone. So, yeah, he's our only tricolor planeswalker, uh, introduced fairly early on in planeswalker history. Uh, and one of the more powerful, very expensive. I mean, at eight mana, this is a huge investment. Uh, to get him out, and very restrictive color-wise. So you're not just jamming him in every deck, but still pretty, pretty darned good. Uh, Then we come to Zendikar block, Uh, and boy, uh, we could talk about other cards in Zendikar block. We could, but uh, is there any reason to talk about anything except for the one card in Zendikar block? Is there any other reason? I don't know, maybe. I mean, you you know the one I'm talking Fetchland, about, right? Fetchlands? Yeah, yeah, but that's another show. Uh, which reminds me, we were going to do a Fetchlands show. Hmm. Uh, no, uh, let's let's talk about Jace, shall we? I suppose we'll. Yeah, you want to tell the nice folks at home about the brokenness that is Jace? Um, they wanted to build a planeswalker that um, had four abilities. Yeah, I suppose we should mention at this point that, you know, since their introduction, R&D has been trying to push the boundaries of what you can do with a Planeswalker, and Jace, Jace was a card that pushed boundaries. He was. Um, he is two, two in blue, 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 for a plus two ability that says, look at the top card of target player's library, and you put that card on the bottom of that player's library. So he gave you a fate seal one. Yeah. And so it's four mana for this three loyalty planeswalker that it, you can immediately take to five to fate seal your opponent. Seems pretty good. So then they gave him the zero ability to brainstorm. What? Zero. Cause zero? We don't have to spin zero. up or down. We get to brainstorm every frickin' turn. Faux free. Brainstorm. The card that is restricted in vintage. That's right. Restricted. You can only run one of it. It's like Black Lotus. Just, just the one brainstorm. Okay, sure. What else you got? Uh, minus one. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Okay, bouncing things. Very blue. Minus twelve. Exile all cards from target player's library. That player then shuffles his ha- his or her hand into his or her library. So you no longer have a hand. You have what was in your hand as your library. Yeah, and your library is gone. And it's not even like it's in the graveyard. It's it's gone, gone. It's in exile. It's gone. You're you're screwed. 
In fact, if you look in very tiny type, after the word library and the period, it says, uh, pick up the pen, sign the match result slip. Cause, yeah, that's... I've heard, I've heard that there have been people who've survived it, but that's because the game was already just over. Yeah, I've heard it too, I've never and seen it happen. And uh, they ulted, and the, the guy ulted just cause he, just so he could, even though they knew it was over. Right. But yeah, Jace the Mind Sculptor, a card that got banned in standard, uh, even, even though it was just for a little while. A card that is still banned in modern, it was banned from the beginning. Uh, it is still played a lot in Legacy, still played in Vintage. It is a very, very powerful card. Uh, the most powerful Planeswalker of all time? Uh, that's, that's actually a reasonable thing to try and debate. I mean, it, it can definitely be argued. I mean, he's very, very good. Uh, does he win games on his own? Well... Pretty close. Darn close. I mean, you've got to have control of the game when he comes out. Uh, you know, if, if your opponent has an army of dudes on the field and you don't, yeah, you're gonna spin him up once and then he's gonna die. Uh, if you're facing down a Jace the Mind Sculptor, you better have a way to end the game in about two turns or you need to kill him right away. Okay, if you're if you're like a red burn deck, you might be able to finish burning out your opponent while you're doing that, but you might need to go ahead and just bolt Jace. That might be a thing that needs to happen. Might be it, yeah. Yeah, so Jace, probably the best thing to come to us from uh from the Zendikar block. Although I I feel we should mention Gideon Jura at this point, too, because Gideon Jura is also from uh the the Zendikar block. He was from Rise of the Eldrazi, but still, that's Zendikar block. Mm-hmm. And Gideon Jura was another very powerful planeswalker. Saw a lot of play, but he's also got a unique thing that he does that we haven't really seen. Well, we saw we we have seen it recently, I guess. Uh, Gideon Jura, uh, three white white, so five mana for a six loyalty planeswalker plus two. During target opponent's next turn, creatures that player controls attack Gideon Jura if able. So, it's kind of a lure effect. Go ahead and, and attack this guy. Not me, this guy. So you can force your all, basically all of your opponent's creatures to tap, and all of them to attack Gideon instead of you, so it kind of pave the way for you to, to kill him on the crackback. Minus two, destroy target tapped creature. So if Gideon survives, you might be able to spin him down and, uh, and destroy one of those creatures. And then zero, so there's no there's no limit break here. There's no big minus ability, but zero until end of turn. Gideon Jura becomes a six six human soldier creature that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So he can win games all on his own. If you've got a control deck, throw a Gideon in there, cast it, become a six six, beat your opponent to death. It was glorious. Yeah. So there were some really weird rules interactions of of things that happened if you could get around that damage prevention. Uh, so you know if you've got effects that say uh, damage can't be prevented this turn, you could still deal damage to him, and then he would both lose counters and take damage. It's really weird stuff uh, could happen, but uh, still, Gideon, very good planeswalker uh, again from that Zendikar block. So lots of goodness there, I suppose. Then, unfortunately, we left Zendikar, and we went to Scar's block. Hey, man, Scar's gave us some solid Planeswalkers. It did, but it also gave us Poison, and I, I think we all know my opinion of Poison. Right, but there's no Planeswalker that could have Poison. Yeah, but still. 
poison. Which is actually interesting design space if they ever want to go back to infect. No, don't. Don't ever go back to infect. Don't even think about going back to infect. If someone at R&D is thinking... I'm looking at you, Mauro. If someone at R&D is thinking about infect, tell them no. Just no. Okay, so... Uh, any highlights from this block? I've got at least one I think we ought to talk uh, about. Tezzeret? Tezzeret, yes. Tezzeret's... I mean, first Tezzeret was clearly the beginning of the niche planeswalkers. Like, they fit in a very specific slot of decks, which is, for them, artifacts. Right. Well, hey, do we want to go ahead and compare and contrast the two Tezzerets? Yeah, let's do that. Well, the first Tezzeret, I believe, it, I should look him up to make sure I'm right, because yeah, I'm he, going up memory. I'm pretty sure he's three blue-blue. He is, and he's from Shards of Alara block, one of them that we skipped over from that block, but uh, we'll bring him up here. So Tezzeret the Seeker. Um, he had plus one, you'll untap two artifacts, which was um, combo-licious for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Um, then, he, then he also had a minus X. Search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield at your hand, the battlefield, and shuffle your library. Because that was, you know, fair. Oh, yeah, totally fair. Um, then minus five, um, artifacts you control become creatures with base power of toughness five, five until the end of turn. So if you had a lot of artifacts, it's really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a few, it's okay. It's still pretty good. This, yeah. uh, this, and he uh, starts with four, so he can alt on his Second turn, he's available. This Mox Opal that I have out here, yeah, now it's a 5-5, five, five and it's hit me in the face. So there's that Tezzeret, which is, I mean, very, a very good card. Still very good. Not, like, not seen a lot of competitive decks, but he still sees a lot of play. Uh, he sees a ton of play in uh, Vintage. I bet. Because there are tons of good artifacts to go get. I suppose he can just find all those Moxes for free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you can take zero and search for zero costing artifacts. That's right. No Tezzeret. And then there's Tezzeret Agent of Bolas. He's, he was two blue black. Um, and he started with three loyalty counters. He had plus, five, plus one. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact from among them and put it into your hand. The rest go to the bottom in any order. That is digging through your deck at an accelerated rate. It is. And then he had a minus one. Target artifact become, target, yeah, target artifact becomes an artifact creature with, um, that's a five five. Yeah, and that's that's a permanent effect. So unlike the other Tezzeret that only did it till end of turn, this is that thing is now a creature, a five five forever. Enjoy. It's, yeah, super awesome. I mean, people were turning Ink Moths into five fives left and right. Although we should point out that with uh, with Ink Moths, if you so some weird things happen with layers if you do it to if you do it to an animated Ink Moth, it uh, still has infect. But when you Animate the Ink Moth after you've turned it into a 5-5. Five, five, uh, it, its power and toughness now go to 1-1. One, because one. it becomes a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it becomes a 1-1, one, one, so you set it later. So once you've done it to it, you can either have a 5-5 five, five that doesn't have Infect or a 1-1 one, one with Infect. But that first turn, you can do something cool. But, I mean, you can do you can do, for, you can do turn 1, turn it into a 5, you know, turn it into a 1-1, one, one, change it to 5-5, five, five, hit him with Infect. Next turn, pay the 1 mana to activate it again to turn it into a 1-1 one, one with in fact, and then you apply the Tesseret effect again. Yeah. If your Tesseret's still alive, do it again. Yeah. If he's still alive. People kill him fast, because he can alt rule. He's another... Both Tesserets can alt after, on their second turn out. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and hey, did we talk about this one's alt? Nope. It is minus four. Target player loses X life when you gain X life, where X is twice the number of artifacts you control. Yeah, so this is the one that gets people, and when you play this card, if your opponent doesn't read it, uh, yeah, they're probably going to lose the game. 
because that twice the number of artifacts, yeah, most people don't realize that. Yep. He kills and you real fast. If you're playing an affinity deck, yeah, that's that's not going to go well nope. for them, not you. And so and this is kind of like putting them together. This is kind of like the show, like kind of like power creep kind of thing. Like both are, you know, one both are pow- powerful in their own rights. So like um, Seeker does something that you know, finds artifact better than Agent of Bolas. Agent, you know, and both animate artifacts. But Bolas can just straight up kill you. No real defense. Whereas the, when you create the army of artifacts, they have a defense. They can do things to stop that. They can block. They can board wipe. They can do stuff. Because when you make them all creatures, I mean, do they have summoning sickness, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they yeah do. so you have to survive a board wipe. You have to survive a whole turn before you can attack. Whereas Agent of Bolas is just dead. You're dead. I activate this, you die. This is what happens. You're a dead person. Yep. So, and this is also the first time we've seen... No, no, this is the second time. Yeah, because Johnny did it. We see a, a color identity switch, right? Because Johnny went from being mono-white to being white-red. Here's Tezzeret going from mono-blue to blue-black. Yep. So, uh, you know, the uh, the Planeswalker cards, we're supposed to be seeing these Planeswalker characters at different times in their their evolution, different times in their lives. Uh, so, yeah, Tezzeret, pretty good. Uh, but the one who I would like to talk about... Uh, from this block is uh, I'm going to argue one of the more powerful planeswalkers ever created not not the most powerful but a really good planeswalker and that is Karn so Karn liberated seven colorless mana for Karn comes in with six loyalty so he's he's the second most expensive cost for a planeswalker uh, at seven Uh, starts with the six loyalty plus four Target player exiles a card from his or her hand. So, spins up very fast. Minus three, exile target permanent. And then minus 14, restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karn liberated. Then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Yeah, so he literally restarts the game, which is just crazy. And he brings along with him everything that he pushed through time, everything that he exiled. Uh, so he is very good. I think it was LSV who said that Karn Liberated is great against an opponent that plays permanence, because uh, that that minus three exile target permanent. And so, yeah, that's that's a pretty good uh, analysis right there. I agree. Uh, so Karn's a great card, uh, fit in almost any deck that wanted to have a long game because of uh, the the. Seven colorless is a completely colorless planeswalker. Or any deck that could ramp him out. Yes, definitely. If he could get out there early, oh yeah, really good things. So yeah, those are the cards from the Scars block. I suppose maybe we should talk about Koth. Yeah, Koth was cool. He was a mono-red planeswalker. There's nothing really in-depth about Koth other than he was a new character they created. Who I, enjoy, I, mean, I enjoyed the card. There's nothing wrong with the card. I enjoyed it very much, but nothing like special about it. I think he may have been the best mono-red planeswalker, at least up until the time. It's debatable that he's still the best mono-red planeswalker. Uh, sorry, sorry, Tibbled. Um, yeah. Then uh, we saw some new cards for... Uh, at least some of the Lorwyn Five make their way into a core set. And I think, if our notes are correct, that this is the first time that we ever saw brand new Planeswalkers in a core set. And that was in Magic 2012. Uh, 
when we got a new Chandra, a new Garrick, and a new Jace. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, it's not bad. We like those guys. Uh, there were reprints of the others, I think, uh, for, for color-wise. I think we got, I think we got five Planeswalkers in Magic 2012. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we didn't get so, five brand new ones. Yeah, but three new ones. Uh, and well, let's see now. 2012, because we got old Gideon. Oh, old, yes. So, old Soren. New Jace, new Chandra, new Garrick. Yes. Uh, so do any of these bear discussion at this time? Um, not maybe, really. I maybe mean, the new Garrick? The new, new Jace was a mill machine. Uh, yeah. New Chandra was mediocre at best. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to say you're wrong, but no. Yeah, I'm not wrong on that one. Yeah, you're not. Ah, well. Okay, so what came after that? After that came Innistrad Block, and uh, our first double-sided Planeswalker. You know, I think we should talk about both of the Planeswalkers from Innistrad, and we might talk about Sorin, too, because I, I know you like Sorins. I love uh, Sorins. I love every Sorin they've printed. Wow. Okay, well, let's talk about Garrick the Double-Sided, shall we? So Garrick Relentless, uh, he was three and a green, four mana for a Planeswalker. Garrick came with three loyalty. Uh, when Garrick Relentless has two or fewer loyalty con- counters on him, transform him, so he flips if he has less than three counters. He has two abilities. Zero. Garrick Relentless deals three damage to target creature. That creature deals damage equal to its power to him, so he fights a creature. Zero. Put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. So, both of those, pretty good. But what happens when he flips? Well, when he flips, he becomes Garrick the Veil Cursed. And for plus one, put a 1-1 black wolf creature token with death touch onto the battlefield. Minus one, sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. And minus three, creatures you control gain trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So he started with three loyalty. He's got to go down to, at best, two loyalty to flip over. So now you've got a Planeswalker sitting there at two loyalty who's ripe to be killed, but if he survives, oh man, things get out of hand, because he just starts making those 1-1 black wolves. People never really even used him for his ult. Yeah, why would you need it? You've got all these black death-touch wolves on the battlefield. Not to mention the tutoring. Yeah. So yeah, that was Garrick. Uh, Garrick the double-sided, he's pretty good. But hey, Rich, why don't you tell us about a little three-cost planeswalker. I mean, the, in this one of the best planeswalkers they've ever printed. Yes. And that's not even like an understatement. That's not even anything. That is just truth. Yeah, this is not hyperbole here. This is absolutely true. Liliana of the Veils, one black black. For Liliana, starts with three. Um, plus one, each player discards a card. It's fair. She's cheap. It affects both players. Minus two, target player sacrifices a creature. Great spot removal. Minus six. Separate all permanents target player controls into two piles. That player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of his or her choice. Oh man. Brutal, brutal choice. All, and this is all, this, not only is this a great card, lore wise it's great because this is all about Liliana giving choices because she gave, um, Thalia the choice. You save your men or save the hell vault. And that's what she, you know, she's about giving you the ultimatums and this is what she does. Yeah, basically, if Liliana gives you a choice, you're not going to like either option. 
No. That's really what it boils down to. It, like, I mean, they printed her with lingering souls. The same block, same set, same set. No, same block, just same block. It's, I mean, I can't how many times I've discarded lingering souls to my own Liliana and just laughed. Yeah. Yeah, she is a staple of uh, blue-black control strategy, or I'm sorry, black-white control strategies. Um, oh man, board wipe, and then you have a, like I would hard lock my opponents with Gideon and Liliana. Yes, I would get to the point where I don't even have cards in my hand. I didn't need them. I never needed them. My opponent either had to cast or discard their card. Yeah, and you end up in situations when you're facing down a Lily where you do really suboptimal things with the cards in your hand because you know you don't get to keep them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She's really, really good. I mean, there's a reason that she has been out of print and out of, I mean, out of standard, and she's still in like in the eight, like around the eighty dollar range. Yeah, well, she's definitely a legacy staple. Yeah, absolutely. Hands Modern down, still uses her. Legacy staple. I mean, she is literally one of the best planeswalkers they've ever printed, and she's not broken like Jace. They didn't need a breaker. They just made an amazing card. Yep. Yep, and cheap too. My God, that mana cost. Sure, it's double black, but three mana for all of those abilities, and they're all. She relevant. was one of the reasons why Jund was so popular because Bloodbraid Elf would cast free Lilianas. Yeah, and I gotta say that uh, her her ultimate ability, you usually didn't even have to do it to win the no. game. No, by the time you get to the got to six, you want you had so much control over the game, it didn't matter. Yeah, so Liliana, kind of, kind of good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the argument later. Best three cost planeswalker. But let's let's we're not there yet. Uh, you wanna you wanna talk about a couple of Sorens? Maybe we could compare and contrast some Sorens. I love all the Sorens. Uh, the first one is uh three black black black. He's the first planeswalker that costs three of a color. Well, he might be one of the only ones. Uh, yeah, I think he is one of the only ones. Um, plus two deal two damage to target creature or player. You gain two life. Awesome. Minus. Three? Yeah, minus three. Yeah, minus three, you um, set target player's life total to zero. Oh, uh, no, to ten, not zero. Ten. Sorry, not zero. <laughs> that would just end the game. To Yeah, to ten. So that can either gain you health or to take someone's health down. Which, and in Zendikar, vampires did a lot of things based around ten health. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of vampire cards got bonuses when the, your opponent was at ten or less. Or Wasn't that right? Is that yeah. Zendikar? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then minus seven. Was it six? Seven. Seven. Um, take your opponent's next turn. Your target player's next turn. Yep. You control target player during that player's next turn. You cannot make them scoop. No, you cannot. You can't force them to concede, but you can look at their sideboard. That is perfectly legal. I did not know that. Yep. You are entitled to all hidden information that they are entitled to. So, uh, there are players that, uh, once Soren's ability, uh, hit the stack, they would just concede so that you couldn't see their sideboard so they could go to game two. It's not game-ending, but it really can be. Oh, yeah, because you can just tap all their mana for no reason, make some suboptimal plays. Uh, Doomblade their own stuff. Yeah, attack into uh, a very, very poor board. Yeah, you could totally yeah. do all that stuff. Um, then, which, th- that's one, still one of my favorite cards. It's just, it's such a good card. I mean, I don't even use him for his ult, really. It's just so many good things you can do with all the other abilities. Mm. Um, then there's Soren, uh, Lord of Innistrad, who, who was two white-black Started with three loyalty. Plus one, you got a 1-1 one, one vampire token with lifelink. Yep. Uh, minus two, um, you get an emblem that had, gave all your creatures have plus one, mu- plus zero. Yep. So, uh, and that's just it, just a static emblem. The amazing, amazing ability. 
which is one of the reasons why he was so powerful. And minus six, um, Sauron deals, um, destroys up to three creatures or planeswalkers. Yes. And then they, you get them. I don't know the exact wording, but you get, like, when they go to the graveyard, you get them. They're yours. Yeah, return each card put into a graveyard this way to the battlefield under your control. So not only can Sauron kill Nicobolas, you now get Nicobolas. Yeah, seems pretty good. Then I don't know Solemn Visitor as well. Yeah, so let's just jump ahead uh, since we're on the Sorin. So we had the first Sorin, the Sorin Markov, was in Zendikar. Uh, then we had Sorin Lord of Innistrad, who was in uh, Dark Ascension. And now we have Sorin Solemn Visitor, who was in uh, Cons Con- of Tarkir. He is also two white-black for a four. He came with four instead of three. Yeah, he, he has plus one. Until your next turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain lifelink. So little, very similar to his uh, his little bit of a combination. And he's minus two. Put a two-two black vampire creature token on the battlefield with flying. This one gives makes the vampires bigger and they're flying. Yep. And then with your then you plus back up. There's three twos with flying and lifelink. And then again minus six. But this one is an emblem. And at the beginning of each pers- opponent's upkeep, they sacrifice a creature. Such a good ability. Yeah, that's rough. Absolutely rough. Especially in those colors where it's pretty easy where you only have, if you have a creature, you're most likely sacrificing them. Yeah. Yeah, and your, your, your opponent is playing black and white, so they can probably kill your other creatures too. Well, it's like, you know, board wipe, that alt, you aren't winning with creatures. Yeah. Now, as as much as I hate to stick around in this block, because you know, moving through time, even though we jumped there with the with Soren, we're still in Innistrad block here. I I feel we need to discuss the other two planeswalkers that came out in this block, just because they're interesting. Tybalt's design space was poor. Well, it was attempted but not executed. Well. Yeah. Well, let's 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 hold off on poor Tibbles. Let's let's talk about Tamio for a minute. Amazing card. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You remember what Tamio does? Uh, yes, uh, she was three in blue, blue, plus one tap target permanent, and it stays tap until your opponent's, it's, and it doesn't untap in your opponent's next untap step. Right, exactly. Minus two, nope, minus, yeah, nope, it minus, is minus, minus two, yep. Minus two, draw a card for each tapped opponent target player controls, tapped card. Uh, tapped tap creature, yeah, it's tap specific creature, creature, yeah. Target player controls, um, that, it's gotta be a minus seven. It's minus eight, actually. Minus eight. Um, you get an emblem, you or you have infinite hand size, and when a card would go to the graveyard, it goes back to your hand. But you have yep. no maximum hand size, I should say. Yeah, this is, this is rough. So, you have no maximum hand size, and whenever a card is put into your graveyard from anywhere, you may return it to your hand. Now, it should be noted that that second part there is a triggered ability, and you don't have to do it, and you can forget it. And I had seen a number of players who d- did not do it, and then passed the turn, and it's like, well, yep, you lost that one. But yeah, oh, she was kind of game-ending. I mean, if she got that emblem off, oh, you're screwed. There was no winning, especially if they had, like, a mana leak or a kill spell. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember just spending all my mana on the same Doomblade. Yeah, just over and over and over again. It was awesome. Uh, so the other guy was Tybalt, Tybalt the Fiend-Blooded, and Tybalt was answering the question that R&D wanted to ask, can we make a two-mana Planeswalker? And the answer is yes. If the question is, can we make a good two-mana Planeswalker, the answer is no. Well, we don't know they can or can't, we just know they didn't. Yeah, they totally didn't. So Tybalt the Fiend-Blooded, red-red, so he's pure red, comes in with two loyalty, plus one, draw a card, then discard a card at random. Dumb. 
It uh, should have been the discarded card, draw a card. Yes, if it were the the red looting effect, this would be a fine card and would see play, but it didn't. In all fairness, it would it would have seen a lot of play. Yeah, uh, minus two, or I'm sorry, minus four. Tybalt the Fiend-Blooded deals damage equal to the number of cards in target opponent's hand to that player. So, hey, you over there with the maximum hand size of Infinity, who has like 20 cards in hand, you're dead. Minus six, gain control of all creatures until end of turn, untap them, they gain haste until end of turn. So it's a mass act of treason. Or it's insurrection. Uh, yeah, well, insurrection, sure. Uh, so yeah, you know, if it weren't for the fact that his, his plus ability is so bad, he would see play. So bad. Not even a little bad, so bad. It's just absolutely awful. So, you know, just fix Tybalt by making him a, uh, a red loot, leave the rest of the abilities the same, and call him Tybalt the not quite as bad. But yeah, so there's Tybalt's. Yay. Yay. All right, uh, then let's go ahead and move forward. I think we can skip straight to the Return to Ravnica block. I think that's yep. next start to see some interesting... Uh, we got another Jace. We do, I guess. Got, let's go another, ahead and talk. We got another Gideon. We don't need to go over him, because I mean, Architect thought was a lot better than people gave him credit for, because they really underestimated that little impulse or factor fiction he gave himself. Oh, the mini factor fiction was just awesome. People, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, even I admit, I underestimate him. Like, oh, he's not that great. He was that great. And I played with that card a lot. He is as great as I was th- wrong about. Yes. So, um, who else we got? We got Vraska. She was cool. New character. Very cool card. Very unique. Very Gorgony. Very Gorgony. Very Gorgony. One of the best Gorgon cards they've ever printed. Um, then we got... Well, hey, Veraska's new. Let, let's talk about Veraska for a minute. Okay. Uh, just because I think she deserves her time in the sun. Veraska the Unseen. Three, a black and a green, five mana for a five loyalty planeswalker, plus one until your next turn. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to Veraska the Unseen, destroy that creature. Unique. So she kind of protects herself, but it's very unique. But Minus... she does have five loyalties, so I mean, she gets brought up to like six at that point. Yes, and actually, you've really got to hit her with something big, and then that big thing dies. Or hit her with a bunch of little things, and then all of those things die. Uh, minus three, destroy target non-land permanent. So again, very good against decks that play permanents. And then minus seven, put three one-one black assassin creature tokens onto the battlefield with, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. The thing is, they're one-one. I, mean, I understand you can't give them like evasion or something. It's just, the, it's so easy to stop that. It is. It is, but it's an alt win con just right there on the card. That's why I think I really think they should have gave them death touch, mm-hmm. and then if they did make contact, they kill the person. You win the game. Yeah, like this, like the super phage death touch you want to call it, just to make it like okay, if you block these guys, you do suffer because you block them. Right. Like you have to block them, but make them punish because otherwise it feels like it's just kind of a lackluster. Oh, because oh, they have three four fours. My alt is dwarfless. Yeah. Unless you can. You know, jump them or uh, make them unblockable. There were ways, but still, yeah, she's she's a very interesting card. I would agree with that. Uh, okay, so then uh, then we have a couple more. I mean, Ral Zarek was in there, the new Gideon. Uh, but just after that, we had a special set that was printed, uh, and that was Conspiracy. And I think we should mention Dak Faden. Now, 
well, no, well, go ahead and make that noise all you want, but here's the thing. So, Dak Faden was a character who was introduced before he got a Planeswalker card. Long before. He was introduced in the comic books. Uh, which, by the way, weren't, weren't very good. Um, I, they were, they just weren't as good as I wanted them to be, I guess is, is how I should say it. But Dak Faden, uh, he cost one, a blue and a red for three loyalty for his Planeswalker, so three mana, three loyalty, plus one, target player draws two cards, then discards two cards, so red looting done right, minus two, gain control of target artifact, and minus six, you get an emblem with, whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, gain control of those permanents. So, he's meant to be the greatest thief in the multiverse, and yeah, he kind of lives up to that. Uh, in particular, that minus two, gain control of target artifact. Now, I will know what you're thinking out there, folks. That sounds okay, I guess. This card was printed for vintage. These abilities are extremely good in vintage. This is a planeswalker that sees a ton of play in vintage. Because uh, that minus two, yeah, that's a, that's a nice mox you have there. I'm just going to take that. That's mine now. Or uh, that's a nice uh, Voltaic key that you need for your uh, your Vault uh, combo. I'm just going to take that, too. So there's lots of great targets for him uh, with that minus two ability. So he's he's interesting in that he was a Planeswalker that was printed in a product that would never see standard play, that would never see modern play. But he's legal in Legacy and Vintage. He was designed with a power level for Legacy and Vintage. And he fits very well into those metagames. So, that's what I'll say about that. That's fair. Uh, then, then we move forward, uh, into Theros Block. Uh, there are a couple of cards we should probably mention from Theros Block. I think, I think we should talk about Elspeth. Amazing. Yeah, so the new Elspeth, Elspeth Sun's Champion was this one. Uh, she is uh, still seeing play right now in Standard. Uh, a lot of people said they didn't think she would because she was too expensive. And I, yeah. was, I, I didn't say she wouldn't. I just said she was expensive. And I didn't know how fast the metagame would be. But she still sees the play. I believe if you go back and listen to our show when she was announced that we said that she would be she would be the real deal. She would see play. Elspeth, Sun Champion, four white white, six mana for a four loyalty planeswalker, plus one put three one one white creature tokens onto the battlefield. Mi- plus it at plus one. Minus three, destroy all creatures with power four or greater. Minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus two, plus two, and have flying. I'm going to make dudes. I'm going to kill all your dudes. My dudes live. And I've got an emblem that makes my dudes awesome. My dudes are way better than your dudes. Yeah, in a control strategy, she's just bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Bonkers. Uh, so she still sees play. Uh, she's good. Uh, anybody else from Theros block that really needs to be talked Ashiok, about? Ashiok, I like Ashiok. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's hit up Ashiok. She was another three mana cost, um, one blue black. She um, she uh, yeah, oh, hold, hold it, I gotta stop you right there with the pronouns. Ashiok has no sex. She is neither a he nor a she. Ashiok is Ashiok. Ashiok Ashiok Mills. There we go. Plus one, or, well, plus two. Um, exile the top three cards of your library. Uh, target opponent's library. Target target opponent's library. Yep. Um, minus X cast a creature card. Exile by Ashiok, where X is its converted mana cost. It is now a nightmare. Yeah. That'll be important. Hey, you never know. Um, what's her heart? Oh, minus ten? Minus ten, yeah. Um, exile, c- component's hand, and graveyard. Yep. 
And the thing is, that minus X ability does work with cards that were done with the minus 10 ability. It usually doesn't come up, but just in case you need to know. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I have minus 10 many times in one game. Yeah. And then, then you can totally do the minus X. So Ashiok, another very interesting planeswalker. Uh, didn't see a ton of play. Saw some play. Um, saw a lot in the block. Yeah. Constructed for sure. Yeah. Uh, then we got, uh, the commander set, uh, the commander 2014 set that gave us five new planeswalkers. And I think we've talked about most of them on a previous show. Yeah, we have. So we're going to skip over them for now and go straight to Khan's block. We've already talked about Sorum Solemn Visitor, and we talked about Ugin last week. So I guess the only one left that we really should talk about is Sarkin. Sarkin? Sarkin. He's really cool. He absolutely is. He is. I don't like his alt personally, because I see him. For me, I read that card, and I see control. Yeah. I know I'm probably one of the few people that see that, but... Well, I think you see control everywhere, buddy. I mean, I think you you see what you want to see. So, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Sark and the Dragon Speaker, three red red, five mana for a four loyalty planeswalker, plus one until end of turn, Sark and the Dragon Speaker becomes a legendary four four red dragon creature with flying, indestructible, and haste. He doesn't lose loyalty when he's not a planeswalker. Minus three, Sark and the Dragon Speaker deals four damage to target creature, just a flame slash right there. Minus six, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your draw step, draw two additional cards, and at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. So you're drawing three cards a turn, but you need to be able to, if you don't cast those three cards, you lose those three cards. Yeah, I think that that ability would have been better if they'd done uh, Chandra Pyromaster's ability as an emblem. Just at the beginning of your uh, your draw step, you exile a card, and you can cast that card this turn. I think that would have been nicer. It would have been, but, I mean, you brought up good points about it when we talked about him when he was first announced. You know, for a burn decks and aggressive decks, it's great because it's fueling you and your stuff's cheap. But for, like, me and a control deck, it's very, very worthless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, how far have we come in design space? We've come from vanilla things that just kind of jammed in any color deck, any deck of that color made sense. To game enders? We've got true game enders. We've got cards that are... That are bonkers and broken, things like Jace the Mind Sculptor. We got uh, niche, like um, Nissa's and your um, uh, Tezzerits, very niche. Oh yeah, definitely things that only slot into certain strategies. We've had dual color planeswalkers of every color combination. We've had tri-color planeswalker. We've had two colorless planeswalkers. You um, have planeswalkers that um, turn into creatures. Yes. Uh, planeswalkers that insta-win games, like on Praska. Planeswalkers that steal stuff, uh, ones that definitely uh, fit into certain metas more than others. You know, if you see a Planeswalker and you're like, this card's dumb, it's probably not meant for you. It's yeah. meant for somebody else. There's there's a place for it. So they've definitely cast a wider net with what they let Planeswalkers do. They've been burned a couple of times. You know, they've made Planeswalkers that were too powerful. We're definitely going to see more Planeswalkers as time goes on. People said that Planeswalkers would break the game. I don't know about that. I, I don't think they did. It got better when they started making Dreadbores and Heroes Downfalls. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I know, uh, Rich, you need to wrap things up here real quick, but before we go, I, I just want to run through real quick. We're going to we're gonna talk about the best Planeswalker at each mana cost. Oh, okay? yes. Ready for this? Yeah. So, CMC 1 doesn't exist. CMC 2 is Tybalt by default, because he's the only one. <laughs> he's the best at something, yay! <laughs> That's right. He is the best at not being played. CMC 3... I think it's Liliana 
and I think you agree with me. Yeah, not even questionable. Yeah, now you could make an argument that Dak Faden is better in vintage, but uh, Liliana sees play in vintage too. Look, I'm I'm just going to go Liliana the Veil. There we go. CMC4, it's got to go to Jace the Mind Sculptor. Hands down. I can't see any any other four-mana Planeswalker that even comes close. Uh, CMC5, my vote is for Gideon Jura. I've been thinking about this. Long and hard, and it's I I have to agree. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of five mana planeswalkers that are good, but I don't think any of them are quite as good as Gideon. None are none are Gideon. At CMC six, I think it's got to be Elspeth Sun's champion. Yep. Uh, and at seven, it's Karn by default, right? Because he's the only the only seven. He is. Uh, and then of course at eight, <clears throat> you're, you've only got two choices: Nicol Bolas or Ugin. Which way do you go? I'd say Nicol Bolas. Yeah, I gotta go Bolas too. I like, I like Ugin. I think he's a good card. I think he fits a lot of places, but... Ugin helps you win the game. Bolas wins the game. Yes. This is, this is true. To me, that's the difference. Yeah, I could see that. And of course, nine we don't have yet, but, uh, give him time. I'm sure they'll give us something. Uh, I don't know if we'll see a nine. I really think, you know, like I said before, the difference between nine and ten is small, the difference between eight and nine is huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, I think we're going to table our Planeswalker discussion there for now. We will revisit them, I promise, probably in a more limited scope. But we wanted to give you a broad overview of kind of where the design space sits, uh, some of the highlights along the way. Hopefully it will illuminate what we see coming down the, the pipe from uh, Watsi. Watsi, if you're listening, if you want to come on and spoil a Planeswalker for the next set, we can totally make time for you. Just let us know. Especially if it's... I really want them to do another Tybalt. Yeah, a, a Tybalt that uh, maybe doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. So, but Well, Watsy, if you want to do that, if you want to get a hold of us, there are ways. You can you can find us on Twitter. We are at Card Advantage. You can email us. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. Heck, if you just want to, you could just hit me on Twitter. I am at LockLuze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. You can hit me at Twitter. I'm at MindMage for the A in Mage is a four. Yeah, so look at all those ways that you can contact us with a spoiler card, Watsy. I mean, seriously, it's it's fine. We won't mind. It's not like we're begging. Yeah, <laughs> we're totally we will. Not Don't worry, we will. Yet begging, but we're thinking about begging. We're considering it. Uh, if it's not for the, um, Dragons of Tarku, we would definitely take any any of the oh, uh, blood and tears or yeah, blood and sweat, uh, or or the last corset, or uh, any auxiliary products. Heck, anything at all. We're we're open to see. You know, we're, we're not picky. Yeah, certainly. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening. We will see you all next time. Da-da-da. We were the ones you used to make fun of. We stayed at home alone instead of falling in love. We never got the chance to be drunkin'. We didn't even dance. We used the thing. We got the cars. We got the money. We need some sun, but I'm telling you, homie, that the geeks will. Uh, you think we went overboard there at the end? No. You, th- you think it'll work? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>